0: All right, so we want to set our kids free to do something that's going to bless them. And so uh, preschool and kindergarten can go here, first through sixth grade can follow them. I, th- are the, in the, I think the high schoolers, are they going out today? Maybe not. So I, they are too. So junior high, high school can go out too. Follow Jim, there he is. Okay, junior high, sorry, middle school, whatever. Six, just don't listen to me, just read the directions. That's. always a good thing. So hey, before I start uh, sharing with you today, I just have some business. First off, today we're voting on our budget. So if you're a member, you want to vote and weigh in. The ballots are in the back. Just fill those out. Put those in the basket. And uh, last week I told you that we're starting kind of a text ministry. And so if you want to join, well actually I've been trying to send out a broadcast to everybody. I don't know if you got it already, but it's going to come out sometime today. And just follow the directions. And if you don't get a text today, then just follow the directions. So go ahead and put that slide up, Reese. Is it coming? Anyhow, the slide's going to come up, it's, and there's going to be a phone number. There we go. I think some of you are going to start getting texts right now. Did you get one? All right. So just follow, the, follow directions, save the phone number, and that way we can be in communication through text. Let me give you some stats here. 85% of all adults own smartphones. People check their phones six times in every hour. Now, I don't know about you. I think it's more than six times, okay? Five billion people globally use text messaging. 26 billion text messages are sent daily. 98% of all text messages get opened versus 23% of email. I'm, you know, And so texting, just everybody looks at text. Most text messages get read within 90 seconds, after delivery, most emails get read 90 minutes after delivery, if at all. Okay, and then 90% 90 of text messages get a reply within uh, 60 seconds. So we've just discovered that if we're gonna communicate more as a body, we need to just employ the text messaging technology. And so you can always opt out, but we encourage you to just become a part of our text family. And we can give out announcements real quick and prayer requests, it's just a great, way of ministering. So, um, yeah, so you you type in this, then text VCC to this number. If you did not get a text from us, you can join us by that number and just type in VCC. All right, if you have any questions, you can just talk to me right after the service. We're real excited about that. Okay, on to Christmas. So, um, I've preached a few messages (laughs) on, on the Christmas Advent, I've preached a lot of messages on uh, uh, peace, and, and hope, and joy, and love. But as I was working on this message, I don't think I've ever preached an Advent or Christmas message on, the, on this gift that we need to receive, okay? And so this is kind of new for me, and uh, before I tell you what the gift is, I want to tell you about this amazing archaeological discovery, and the restoration process is actually still going on, and so back in the 1950s, one of the most renowned Swedish galleon warships was located in the Stockholm Harbor, and uh, was it up there? There we go. Isn't that amazing? She was called her. The name of this ship is the Vasa. She's called the Vasa, and, and she's been undergoing restorations ever since. And the Vasa is, you know, one of the most popular tourist attractions. I didn't know this in, in Sweden. And, but you just you have to look at the detail on this thing. You know, it's just amazing. It's beautiful. The ship was absolutely ornate. But here's, you know, the Vasa, however, was the most high-tech warship and most powerfully armed vessel in the world at that time. All right? And, uh, and this was back 400 years ago in 1628 when it first set sail, all right, So why am I telling this? Well, here's what you need to know about the Vasa. The Vasa had only sailed 1,400 yards, 20 minutes into its main voyage before it sank. It sank in full view of all the public who were horrified because they came out to see the, you know, the world's greatest warship and it sank before their very eyes. Apparently, there was a design flaw, and, uh, you know, and so it, the, the guy who Lucas Larson wrote in Archaeology Magazine, he described why it sank. Apparently, she was dangerously unstable, and it had, and this is, I quote, with too much weight in the upper structure of the hull, and despite its instability, it was ordered to see and sank after encountering a wind not much greater than a breeze, in fact, he wrote, it got past the first wind, it was the second wind that got it. And uh, so, why am I telling you the story? Well, it's a cautionary tale because some of us are sailing into Christmas with too much weight in our upper structures. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, and I'm not just talking about physical weight. No, I got, I got weight in the lower structures, but um, the upper structure, we're just still top heavy. And it's not, we're talking physical weight here, we're talking spiritual weight. And it's not going to take much more than a breeze to sink us. And, and so, I, what I, to, to be blessed this Christmas, and not just to be blessed, but to survive, we need to receive the gift of humility. And that's a gift. I've never really spoken about humility, it's a, it's a, and it's a gift, this week, we need to seek and receive the gift of humility. And I know that some of you are going, that doesn't sound like a great gift. I mean, you know, jeez, I can think of a lot of things. But here's what I've come to understand about humility. Humility is absolutely fundamental to receiving every other good thing that God has for us. It's, it's always the first step to all good gifts. Just the, just the recognition that I need the gift, the rush the recognition without God, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm sinking. It's the first thing we need to receive to receive any blessing, good thing from God, including God himself. Just basic. When I lack humility, I'm top heavy. It doesn't take much to throw me off and ruin my day. And then I, in turn, I don't know how you are, when my day is ruined, I like to ruin other people's days. And if I'm unhappy, I really have this driven need to let you know how unhappy I am. Do any of you know someone like that? You know, don't look in the mirror, but just you, know, you can think of other people. And, uh, and it doesn't even have to be full-on pride. It's just my normal, everyday, general self-centeredness is about me thinking, because I, I do that. And I not only find fault, you know, you know I, I have to tell you about the faults I see. Last week Mike spoke about the importance of gratitude. When I lack humility I just can't be grateful. It's never enough. Never, it's never enough. It's never right. I always find something wrong and when I lack humility I'm never content. I'm never content with the way things are. I lack peace, hope, joy, love. I can't even receive those things when I lack humility and so you know, does any of that sound familiar? Do any of that, you struggle? Know, I know you guys are a real humble lot, so you probably can't relate to this message. So, so maybe I'm just preaching to the choir here today. But uh, we would not be celebrating Christmas at all if the very first characters in the Christmas story did not respond and receive the gifts from God with humility. Period. Let's take a look. Let's start with the shepherds, okay? Luke 2, starting verse 8, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. My girls, thanks for sharing this passage this morning. You guys did a great job. The candle falling was just icing on the cake. And then Mike Darren, burning the church down. That was the best. It's a, gift. it's a gift. It was great. And we got it on camera. And, uh, and so we can play it over and over again. It's just fantastic. And so they're terrified, but the angel said to them, don't be terrified or don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in claws lying in the manger. Now, shepherds were humbled just by the fact that shepherds, I mean, it was a low position. But understand, you can be lowly in society, low on the totem pole, and still be proud. And still have self pity and resentment that the world isn't treating you better. But these shepherds were humble in spirit because they just took this all in. First, they were just frightened, which was an appropriate response. But when the angel told them the news, they just said, okay. They believed it, they received it. And they did something very important that communicates, that exhibits, exemplifies that we're humble. They acted on it, they did something. And uh, going on in verse 15, it says, When the angels had left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what they'd been told about this child. I love these guys. Their response to God's message was humble. And here's how we know. They looked at one another and said, let's go. I mean, that, that is the best thing. Mike loves it. let's go. Let's go. Let's just sit here. First, let's go find Jesus. And here's the cool thing about Christmas. When you start looking for Jesus, you're going to find Jesus. And they found him. And it's just a great part of the story, and, and the same is true for us. But you have to be humble enough to let's go to go find Jesus. If you're not, see, when I'm not humble, I don't look for Jesus. There's other things on my list. I got to get the lights up, you know. I got to get Christmas present. I got to, you know, I. What's I, what, what is above Jesus on your Christmas list? Because there's things, and see, when I'm not humble. I'm doing other things. Jesus is that gift you open up. When you're not humble, Jesus is that gift you open up and you go, that's nice. What's next? Is there something better under the tree? And you see, when you're humble, you realize all that other stuff is just nothing without Jesus. He's he's the thing that makes it. But the shepherds did something else that's really cool. It shows their humility. They said, let's go and spread the word. I mean, they couldn't keep it to themselves. It, they didn't See, when I'm humble, I keep all of God's stuff to me. But when I have humility, I think about others, and I go, hey, man, other people need to hear this. Humility. Think about it. They had humility. How about the wise men? These guys are great. Matthew 2, verses 1 and 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is this one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now, unlike the shepherds, These wise men were on the top of the totem pole. I mean, they had money. They had power. They had influence. They had knowledge. I mean, these guys, you know, they were up there. If anybody would think they didn't need God, they didn't need Jesus, it would be these guys. But what do we see? These guys knew enough, were wise enough, humble enough, that they know they needed something that the, that the world could not offer. So when they saw the star and they knew that God was doing something big, they said, We got to go find out what this is because we need this because everything we have isn't enough. This is what we need. And they were humble enough not just to go a few miles. I mean, they traveled. We don't know how long they traveled. They went along. This was, this was a journey that required a lot of preparation, and yeah, I mean, they were a long time. Yeah, they say years, and it's like, geez, it must have been, I don't know. We think we got cars, and it took a while to travel in those days, and they're following a star, so yeah, humility, and they found, and they too went looking for Jesus, and when you go looking for Jesus, you're gonna find Jesus, and they found him, And so it says on verse verse 11 of Matthew 2, on coming to the house, they saw the child with with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and myrrh. You see the humility there? When they found Jesus, they bowed down before Jesus and worshiped him. These kings, these wise men who had everything saw Jesus as more important than themselves. And they gave to him. They gave their treasures to him. Again, humility gives. In pride, I hold on. Humility. Humility is always the, the foundation to every other thing. Love. You can't be proud and love. You can't lack humility and love because it's all about me. I don't even think about other people. These guys were humble and they gave. We need to give Joseph a little credit in this story. I, Joseph, Joseph is often the unsung hero in a lot of ways, when you've been thinking about it. In Matthew 1, verse 18, it says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Okay? But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. There's the message. I don't know. Joseph, like the shepherds, like the wise men, Joseph humbly accepted God's plan, God's instructions. I mean, think about this guy. He could have argued. If anybody had a case to argue, I mean, his engaged, his fiance is coming to him and saying, hey, I'm pregnant, right? By, by God, though, the Holy Spirit. You got, you know, how does that sound? <laughs> you know, he's like, no! He's going, this, I, and how's this going to look? And, you know, he's going through all this stuff. But he, first off, just his attitude, he's humble. He's, he's humble enough not to want to shame this girl. I mean, so even before God spoke to him, he, he really was a good guy because he didn't want to hurt, the you know, and so, but then God shows up and says, hey, Joseph, this is how it is. He didn't argue, and I, I love this in verses 24 and 25, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home and his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name, he gave him the name Jesus, which means Savior. He straight up just did what he told. No argument. He just obeyed. And you know, this this situation was not on his calendar. You know, it, it wasn't his life plan. It wasn't on his dream board. You know, it doesn't. It didn't match his career path. <laughs> you know, just there's just you know, it's like this is a curveball, and he just said okay. And I have to ask myself, if God came to me with something that big, would I go okay? But may it be. Just it is. Because that's what he did, and he he demonstrated some serious humility. He took this woman under his care, even though it looked really, really bad to everybody else. He cared more about what God thought than what people thought. And, of course, there's Mary. So you know the whole story about Mary. The angel Gabriel comes to her and says she's going to give birth to the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, And even though she's a virgin. And, of course, she understandably asks, yeah, how's this going to happen? And Gabriel explains the Holy Spirit is going to come and really do a big miracle in her life, okay? You understand the virgin birth is a really big miracle. I mean, it's like it's, it ranks up there. I mean, I, he, healings are nothing. I mean, there's all, all miracles you can think about. A virgin birth, that's like, okay, wrap your head around that one. And she, you, you got to think, okay, if God says it, I guess it's possible. That's humility. Just accepting God's word is Amazing and incredible as that might seem, that's where she's at. But it's not only that. This whole thing presents some issues for Mary as well, because she's engaged to Joseph. How is he going to react when she tells him, I'm pregnant, but it's by God? You know. So she has the prospect of facing this man who she probably cares about and respects. and you know, she, And not only that, though, she lives in a society, a culture that is very strict and religious. So in that society, you show up pregnant and you're not married, you're, you're shamed, you're shunned, you're ostracized, you're sent off somewhere. It's a, it's, it's a life change, and it's not a happy life change. And that's what she had to look forward to. And so, you know, if anybody had grounds to argue, it would be Mary. But look at Mary's humble response in verse Luke. Chapter 1, verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered, may it be to me as you have said. Wow. Wow. You know, we all have our, that's a humble response, by the way, we all have our plans and expectations for this Christmas, maybe our whole lives, but are you at the place in your life where you can say to God, I am the Lord's servant, may it be to me as you have planned. I don't know what the Lord's dishing out in your life. But can you say to God, I'm Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have planned. And uh, true peace, hope, joy, love come when we gain an attitude of humility. Okay? Can you say to God, may it be to me as you planned. But the ultimate example of humility is Jesus himself. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. While there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave her firstborn son, she wrapped him in claws. And the word claws there is grave claws. It was, it's kind of a prophetic. Claws they used were the claws they used to wrap dead people. Wrapped him in claws and placed him in a manger, a, a horse, a donkey stall, you know, kind of like what we have back here, you know. So, so the. King of the universe, God of the universe, is a vulnerable baby in a manger. I, you know, Because there's no room at the inn, the world didn't have room for that kind of thing. Talk about humility. Talk about humble circumstances. The Son of God made himself holy and completely vulnerable as a baby laid in a manger, a cattle stall. So humble that literally the world had no place for him. The true implication of this humility is, is seen in a passage in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. And Paul says this, your attitude should be the same that as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Now that's humility. The thing that gets me here, though, is that Paul says we're to have the same attitude. Are you kidding me? I mean, this is, you know, it's really hard. By the way, I've learned this about humility. It's really hard to be humble on my own. I need a little help. It's really hard to get out of the gravitational pull of my own self-centeredness. But I first have to admit I'm self-centered. That's humble. And then I have to realize I need help to do it. That's humble and everything else starts there. And so the first gift I need from God is the ability to be humble, to recognize I'm in trouble, and I need his help. And I've prayed that prayer many times. God, help me, because I'm so full of myself. And I gotta tell you, whenever I'm angry or fearful or frustrated, my my self-centered is at work. Whenever you're experiencing negative emotions, whenever, it's a rule. Humility is needed. I got to tell you, it's just there. And if you're just wise enough to see that, you'll go, okay, I need some humility. Before I say anything to anybody, before I do anything, I need to seek humility. God, give me that humility because if I do anything, say anything at this point, it's going to get worse. The gift we need for all the gifts is the gift of humility. And He's answered me, He's helped me become right sized. He's helped me see things in new perspective. He's helped me let go of myself. And i got to tell you, when I let go of myself and my demands and my expectations on the world and my will, I'm so much happier. It's just like, yes. But it's a struggle. But it is a gift. And it's probably the first gift we need this Christmas. Amen? Okay. Let's all be standing for a closing word of prayer. Before I pray, let me just say, we've got some cookies for you, and we want to encourage you to stick around and fellowship. However, Becky has a preschool program at what time? 30. Start at 1.30. So she's also asking us to pick up the tables, and we're going to slide them under the media booth and then pull out some more chairs. Here's the con. Oh, and fill out the ballots. We already told you that earlier. And the challenge is I want you to fellowship. So take some, a little bit of time to fellowship, You know, five, ten minutes, but then do the chairs. And by the way, even though we're setting up, you can still fellowship. You don't have to leave. So we want to do both at once, okay? All right. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. Bless our fellowship time. Help us to keep you the main thing in the season. And uh, we just thank you for the gift of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Have a good week.